The technology modernization drive has been operating in the federal government for years, yet agencies continue to rely heavily on so-called legacy systems that may have been originally programmed decades ago. Securing these systems against contemporary cyber threats presents a challenge. Here with some ways to get around that challenge, Eric Stuhl, Director of Enterprise Networking and Security at Force 3. Mr. Stuhl, good to have you on. Hey, Tom. How are you doing today? I've heard both sides of the same piece here. One side says, yeah, we got to modernize these systems because they're so vulnerable, these old legacy COBOL assembler systems and so on. Others I've heard say, well, because they're old and the code is not that well understood, they're actually safer than modern systems. So which, which, who's right here? They're both right in some ways. I mean, obviously, there's not as many attackers focused on the vulnerabilities in COBOL or Fortran or some of those legacy models, but they're still there, and they still know that those vulnerabilities exist, and there's not much development done to protect those systems. There's not much in the way of people actively looking for threats in those environments. So we kind of have to try to sidestep that and find a way to isolate access and make sure that those systems are protected by ensuring that no one has access or is taking actions that they shouldn't be in those systems. Because many of those systems actually form the original source of data and information for digital services, even though the person using the digital service might not be directly touching that back-end system. A lot of the data and a lot of the logic that ends up out front originates in the legacy system, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it's critical. I mean, most of our critical infrastructure is formulated from the data that resides on those legacy systems. So finding a way to consider them our crown jewels and protect them as such is the key. Um, I mean, in legacy approaches, we'd always gone for the, the methodology of maybe like a castle with a moat and building a hard wall outside of those systems. And in today's world, that's not necessarily sufficient. Um, people will find a way to gain access using individuals with insider access and the ability to, to connect to those systems and to perform actions. So finding a way to isolate what is normal to build a baseline and to understand what users are doing on the systems becomes critical. Um, that's where we can leverage some machine technology, maybe talk about how in some ways we have the ability to perform a baseline Perform, uh, find out what anomalies are on the systems and allow machines and the, the, the technology to determine what should or shouldn't be happening while the humans find the patterns in those attacks. So letting the machines do what the machines do best and enforcing that people do what people do best, which is understanding what that data means. I guess this is a good time to be talking about this with the IRS closing in on the 2018, 2019, 2020 tax filing season, and they use a lot of legacy systems. So it sounds like you're saying there's two basic issues here. One, in fact, these older systems do have vulnerabilities that should be closed, even if they haven't been closed in decades. And secondly, the access and insider threat for those systems is something that has to be stepped up. Absolutely. So, I mean, we we all should be patching and maintaining our systems, whether they're legacy or modern. But in some degree, we're always going to be on the back foot. The, the, the attacker always has the benefit there of knowing what they're going after while the defender's trying to close every possible hole everywhere. And that's just not reasonable, um, especially when we have scenarios where someone might look like to the system that it's, an, it's a valid user, and we have to find a way to stop that from happening. Um, in the vast majority of breaches that we see in the modern era, it comes from somebody that appears to have the correct credentials and performing actions within the scope of their, their capabilities. 
Um, now to take all of that away and to ensure that if we have one user who generally accesses a set of files on a given set of days and outside of a regular set of times we see access to those files, now we can generate an alert. We can find a way to contain that threat and to stop it from progressing further. Um, the other thing that we see is that, generally speaking, inside of a network, we're a little bit more permissive. We allow people to, to have access to devices within the, the inside of our network because we assume that once they're inside, they're generally good actors. And that's not the case today. So we have to move away from that Tootsie Roll theory where we have a hard, crunchy outside and a soft, chewy middle and move more towards a jawbreaker where we have security at every step of the way and we're rigid and we ensure that people can't only access the resources and the devices that they need to perform their typical day-to-day -day activities. We're speaking with Eric Stuhl, Director of Enterprise Networking and Security at Force 3. So what are some good strategies then to getting away from the Tootsie Roll model toward that jawbreaker with legacy systems? Um, the first one would be to, to, to have an understanding of what systems are in place. It's hard to protect what you don't know. And uh, unfortunately, in a lot of our mission, in a lot of our environments, we don't necessarily know what's there. So we start that first in assessing the technologies and the policies that we have for, for accessing those systems. Then the next step would be to kind of move away from point solutions. Uh, right now, a lot of times we have a security of the month or we find a vendor that has a, a, a new and exciting technology. We install it and then we leave it sit there. If we can make a more architectural approach and try to find a, a holistic way to, to address the security as a whole, then we can find a number of correct solutions. We don't necessarily need every individual solution out there in the market, but we can find a few that will work together correctly and provide a higher level of security. Um, that also lets us kind of sidestep the skills gap by leveraging just a, a number of individual solutions that don't necessarily need as many technical details as you would in the scope of everything. If you look at uh, some of the initiatives today, like Comply to Connect in the DOD or CDM, Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation from DHS and the public sector, those strategies are there to try to pr promote that architectural approach and to promote security from end to end. And getting to the specific code, as you mentioned, that vulnerabilities do exist in some of the older code, just as they come up every week in some of the newer code. We don't have Patch Tuesday for COBOL, but are there still specific vulnerabilities that come onto the market that people should be aware of from time to time? Uh, I mean, again, in any one of those, there's always a new threat. I think that there's a zero day found every other second at this point in life. If you look at some of the overall market trends, you're always going to find a new buffer overflow, a new stack overflow. doesn't necessarily matter which, because just because it's not promoted from a security investigation percent doesn't mean that they don't exist. All right. So then with legacy systems, I guess legacy doesn't have to be COBOL. It could also just be C that is getting long in tooth. It's any system. I don't know what it exactly means. I think it's if it's been running for more than 10 years, <laughs> they call it legacy. But it sounds like what you're saying is that everything needs to be brought under a framework approach, if you will, and then a lot of attention on patterns of usage and access overlaid on that framework. Absolutely. So if we look at it from that perspective, we have a number of vulnerabilities that emerge that we may know about or we may not know about. But if we have a framework in which we're controlling access to those systems, controlling access to individual actions on those systems, and we have an understanding of what our normal is, we can much better respond to those attacks. 
we can identify when an attack is taking place much quicker. In today's world, you may not know that an attack has happened for months, days, or even years. In this case, when we have a baseline and we understand what's happening, we can respond in seconds or minutes, making it a much, much more efficient protection of our mission, allowing us to act in a more stable and secure way. It sounds like a little machine learning on the patterns of usage and access over time would really help I guess, agility in knowing what's going on. Again, absolutely, right? A human being can only parse so much information. And we start talking about these number of tools. Each one of those will generate hundreds of thousands of events. So finding a way to coordinate all of those events and to build an actionable item out of that is almost impossible for a human to do. When we take in machine learning and we add in user and behavior analytics, now we have the ability to concatenate all of those events in a central location, have analysis performed on those at speeds that humans can't compare with, and then reduce that to a number of items that we can understand and we can parse, and then take a more effective action because of that. Eric Stuhl is Director of Enterprise Networking and Security at Force 3. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Have a great day. Find more information and a link to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 